Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I like to describe that Atelier Colon was born out of a lot of chaos because when, when you make a change in your life that is so drastic, something that you hadn't planned, that you hadn't anticipated, that was not how you were picturing your life, you sort of don't... Um, you don't make any compromises about anything. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Hi everybody, welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hey Carlene. Hey Jill. Ooh, you're sounding a little nasally <laughs> once again. <laughs> once again, but that's not going to stop me from talking about fragrances today. Yes, we have our second ever fragrance founder on the show today. Yeah, we've got Sylvie Ganter on the mic. She is the co-founder of Atelier Cologne, which she launched with her business and life partner, Christophe Servacel, back in 2009. So if you're good at math, you know that was 10 years ago. And it's a great time to look back at all of the crazy success that this brand has achieved in such a short amount of time, really. Yeah, I think there are a great example of the indie fragrance boom mm -hmm. and the brands that are kind of killing it right now. Mm -hmm. They were acquired by L'Oreal Lux in 2016. And that was just a couple of years after Le Labo, another one of our favorites, mm -hmm. was acquired by Estee Lauder. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people really want to smell unique. Mm -hmm. They want a scent that isn't so easy to find, that forever quest for the signature scent, right? That yeah. represents you. Absolutely. And you just, yeah, you don't want it to be easily recognizable, like a lot of the commercial yeah. ones that are well, out there. if it's my signature scent, it can't be your signature yeah. scent and my best friend's signature scent, yes. right? Yeah. So when Sylvie and her husband first launched the brand, they had an idea and that was to create this whole new olfactive family called a Cologne Absolute and olfactive family, that just means like a scent family. The idea was to take the classic Cologne style of unisex citrus blends and formulate them in such a way that they had really long lasting power because mm -hmm. typically with, you know, colognes, you would wear them in the summer and you'd kind of pour mm -hmm. them into your hand and splash them on your body. And they have a, a large water concentration. Mm -hmm. So the only thing with that is it would fade fast, right? Well, yeah. And citrus notes are volatile. They're always the top mm -hmm. note. They evaporate quick. So their whole MO was to get long lasting scents from these raw materials. And they did it. Yeah. And we're going to take you behind the brand going way back into their origin story like we love to do. What's really unique about this particular fragrance brand is that it's born from a love story. Sylvie and Christophe, her former boss-turned-boyfriend, began yeah. their romantic relationship at the same time that they started this new business. So everything was kind of converging at once, and it was all coming from an 
overflow of passion. Yeah, all in the name of love. And as most love stories go, the ones that are really worth it, they are often kind of complicated. And there were a lot of obstacles that the two of them had to overcome in order to be together. Sylvie doesn't shy away from this topic. She gives us a lot of juicy details in this episode. And somehow it does play into the fragrance story. Like fragrances are really about emotions and energy and instinct. And I think you kind of get all that when you hear her talk about Atelier Cologne. Yeah, the story is just so French. Sylvie is that quintessential French beauty. She's got those natural waves. She has amazing style like Isabelle Moran, like um, great printed blouse, the slouchy kind of cool pants, the amazing boots, leather boots as well. Yeah, very boho, very chic. Yeah. And off the air, we asked her what her skincare routine was. And she said, what else that she makes her own skincare? Yeah. So we are hunting down. We're trying to hunt down that recipe from her personally. We will report back. And we're going to try and share it with all of you, of course. Mm -hmm. So no surprise, Atelier Cologne's Maison de Parfum is located in France, where each of the 38 fragrances in the line are all made. And since launch, they've sold more than 500,000 bottles of fragrance in more than 30 countries. The bestseller that Sylvie is going to tell us all about is the Orange Sanguine Cologne Absolu, 74 US dollars and 100 Canadian dollars for 30 ml. And then the price goes up from there, yeah. depending. I think they have three different sizes. Were mm-hmm. you surprised that Orange was the bestseller? No. Yeah. No, I think orange is such a crowd pleaser. Right. I think everybody loves it, you know, and I read a review of this one online where somebody said it smells when you put it on, like, as if you freshly peeled an orange and then smell your hands, this is what that smells like. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And if you're already a fan, if you guys, I know you guys are savvy out there. So if you're already a fan of this product, they do have a special edition coming out in June in a beautiful collectible bottle. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. You have a personal favorite from the line, right? Yeah. So I like the Bois Blonde Mm -hmm. and Sylvie was telling us in her interview, she will be telling us that this is one of her favorites as well. And she has the best description for it. She says it's like the white t-shirt and jeans of your fragrance wardrobe. So naturally, that's my favorite as well. It's a spicy, woody, unisex scent, but it does have neroli in it, which if you're a regular listener, you know, I love my neroli. (laughs) But I think because because it's like a blend of these white woods, it's fresher than how you would normally imagine a spicy woody it's scent. good for daytime. It's very clean. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite is one called Citron d'Arabla, which mm-hmm. I hope I'm not butchering that. But essentially, this is like a lemon maple syrup, lemon oh. maple. And it was actually all inspired by their trip to Canada a few years ago. And obviously, we have an abundance of maple here, maple <laughs> syrup, um, kind of iconic. So it's really bright with the lemon, but then it kind of dries down a little sweeter mm-hmm. with the maple syrup very very unique I would have to say and I what I love about the Atelier Cologne I love all of their travel cases and so this particular scent I have a few Atelier Colognes at home and they all have little leather sleeves that I use to protect the bottle when I'm traveling the little 30 mil guys Mm -hmm. yeah and this one has a bright yellow leather case on it and so I 
in my mind, I just always think of this as their yellow perfume. Yeah. I don't know. That's just, it's kind yeah. of like certain colors get associated with certain scents. It's cool. Yeah, definitely a key part of their branding. Mm-hmm. I know they had a pop-up in New York mm-hmm. where everything was kind of like rainbow colored yes. and really beautiful. So I think that, you know, that's what they want is you associate this color with the fragrance you yes. like. And those leather pouches are so cute. I love that you can have them engraved. They're mm-hmm. perfect for gifting. Oh, yeah. And they just have a brand new scent that came out this year called Pacific Lime. And it's like vacation in a bottle. I'm telling you, it's like Mexico. Yeah. Really bright. And it's like bright pink fuchsia. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a crowd pleaser too. Yeah. So of course they're at Sephora, but Atelier Cologne also has over 20 stores. Some are in North America, also in Europe and Asia. And the latest one just opened in New York at Hudson Yards, which everybody's buzzing about Hudson Yards. Yes, of they're course. there. And the whole vibe of the store, well, Atelier is like basically meaning a workshop, right? right? So when you go in, you get that vibe. It's like apothecary meets library meets, meets workshop sort of. And you, there's a whole gifting wall and they have candles and you get to really immerse yourself in their yeah. whole world have this personalized Mm -hmm. experience Mm -hmm. right so they're really on a roll they're growing and in this episode you're going to hear the damn good story about how atelier cologne came to be including all the passion behind the blends and the romance yeah and you're going to hear sylvie's tips for finding your own signature scent how to tell someone that you love that their perfume is just killing you. You're not talking about me, right? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> tips on making your fragrance last. We also asked her which commercial fragrance she does not like, which mm. like one that everybody else loves and she's not a huge fan of. Yeah. And how to wear it for sensitive skin. Yes, I asked that question yeah. for myself because mm-hmm. I'm getting more sensitive as I grow older. But I do not want that to mean that I can't wear a perfume. I know. Please. Sad, sad So she face. gave us a good hack. I was like very happy about that. So let's start at the very beginning to where Sylvie grew up in where else? The south of France. My name is Sylvie Ganter. I'm French. Um, I'm the founder of Atelier Cologne. It's a maison de parfum or perfume house. Um, and we founded the perfume house with my husband in 2009. So we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. So getting into your childhood, if you could bottle it all up, what would it smell like and why? Um, it would smell like Provence. Mm. Uh, I grew up in the south of France. And there was a lot of lavender. Um, there were some in the garden. Orange blossom is probably also like a scent that is like very reminiscent of my childhood. Not because it was in the garden, but my mom, for some reason, was cooking a lot with it. So to me, it brings me like to her kitchen. And, um, and a lot of escape. Like my, my father was first, um, how do you say, driving plane? We don't say that. Fly plane. Flying plane. A pilot. A pilot, but just like for fun, like okay. small planes. So during weekends, he would say, oh, let's go and have a picnic in like the other side of France. And it would just like take off and just like go to a completely random location. Um, so I've started to travel like quite young and just discovering new places. And then my mother was scared about him flying too much. So he stopped flying and bought a boat. <laughs> so we started sailing for a couple of years and we would spend the entire summer like on the water. Uh, so my childhood is also smelling like the sea, like Mediterranean mm-hmm. sea, very like salty, sunny, breathy. 
You're making me want to travel. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that you're also part Italian. So yeah. tell us about how that factored into your childhood. So I'm half Italian. The father and mother of my dad were both Italian, but my father was born in France. So I don't feel I inherited Italian from mm -hmm. him because he only spoke to me in French. But I was spending a lot of time with my grandparents. They were speaking Italian to each other. So um, I know quite a few sentences and <laughs> I can argue in Italian. Um, but I think what it meant to me or my recollection of it has a lot to do with cooking. Like my grandmother was, she was sort of like the glue to the family. She would host like a, a lunch every single Sunday, cook for everyone, like my parents and I uh, and my brother, but also her daughters and her family, but also my grandparents on my mother's side would be invited. And she would make like handmade pasta and always the most fantastic sauce. And she had like this beautiful garden. So she would cook from whatever was in the garden then. Um, she also had like a, a small farm. So I have amazing like uh, cooking memories with her. She taught me so much. Mm -hmm. And I still try to convey some of those recipes in my family so what did you study in school like a lot of people don't set out to become fragrance creators what was your path so it's funny because I really didn't have one <laughs> uh, and that sort of I don't know reassures me today because I'm a mother and my kids have no clue what they want to do and I'm like it's perfectly okay I didn't know I was um I was a hardworking student, like I wanted to please my parents, so I wanted to, you know, do well for them. I studied the piano for 18 years, 15 years, I don't know. I was good at math. I was selected to go to an engineering, engineer school in, in the UK, uh, in Coventry. I enjoyed that. At the end of that, I thought I wanted to be a math teacher. Um, but then I went sailing for the summer with my parents and a friend of mine was like, oh, I've applied to this amazing business school in the south of France. And because of the diploma we have in England, they're interested in our profile. You should go and interview. And I went and interviewed, got the, got the school and went in and I entered, studied like international business. So that was like nothing had to do with one another. <laughs> and then my dad was working in a helicopter company. So I had done all my internship working there and I had to do like a six-month internship at the end of uh, my studies and it was sort of an obvious choice for me and I remember the director of my school say like do you want to work in helicopters your entire life and I was like no it was like so then you cannot do that internship and I was so upset at him at the time thinking like why don't you want me to do this and he said like what do you really want to do in life like where do you want to work and I looked at him being sort of a little bit rebellious saying yeah like I, you know I could see myself working for Chanel or Hermes and he said well prove me you cannot get an internship with them if you want me to like approve you know this internship for you and I wanted to prove him wrong <laughs> or right I don't know like I guess he was right and I got an internship at Hermes at the time in perfume and that internship turned into like eight years of working with them and having a lot of fun. So this is where I learned so much of what I know today. And what led you to New York? What, what Hermes again. Um, I was 25 and they sort of tricked me. Um, so I was overseeing what was called Americas. So, you know, making sure that the perfumes of Hermes were, were represented in Canada, we were selling to Holter and at the time, in the US and in Latin America and in the Caribbean. And uh, at one point they were like, you know, in the US, we feel we could do more. We could use your expertise. You're so passionate about the brand. Why don't you go to New York for six months? And, you know, the GM just left, just try to go and help the team because they're all alone there and try to figure out what we should do and who we should hire for the job. So I was like, okay, great. Like, you know, 
what an experience, what an adventure. I kept my apartment. I kept, you know, everything sort of the same in France, but like moved for six months. And I had such a great time because there was no pressure for me to do well. Like there was nobody doing the job. So I had to do something, but I was not given the job. And at the end of the six months, I give my boss, I had a boss in New York, I had a boss in Paris, and I give them my recommendation of who the ideal GM would be and what the, you know, ideal like strategy and priority should be. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, you didn't get it. Like, you are going to do it. <laughs> we were just testing you out. And I was like, so naive and like, be like, what? <laughs> At what point did you meet your husband and the co-founder of Atelier Cologne, Christophe Cervazel? Okay. So after Hermès, I worked for Fresh for five years. And um, I was very lucky to work next to the founders, Lev and Alina. They were like second family to me. And I was helping them on many fronts, you know, sales and marketing and, and PR. And it was very much a family away from home. Um, because I was living quite far away. And one day I received a phone call from a headhunter offering me to meet with like this new company that does perfume for fashion designers. And I had no interest in taking the job, but I was very intrigued in the man who had created the company because a lot of my friends used to work with him, under him, above him, some, some of his bosses he hired after when he created his company, they went to work you know, for him. So I was intrigued in meeting him and so I went on a job interview. Uh, he had no clue I was French. Uh, we spoke in English for about an hour, and at the end I say something to him in French. He was like, oh, you have no accent when you speak French. I'm like, it's because I'm French. Um, but he hadn't read my resume and thought that was perfectly normal because he didn't want to be influenced. But we, we met that way, and I remember after meeting him, telling him, you know, I, I enjoyed meeting you. Um, I don't want the job because I don't know how to do multi-brands. I want to do one thing at a time. I don't believe that fragrance has to hold on to a fashion designer to say something. Like raw materials alone are enough to tell a beautiful fragrance story. So I wouldn't feel comfortable telling a story through the eyes of a fashion designer. I said, but I really want to spend more time with you because you've been an entrepreneur since you were like really young. And I'm inspired by that. Like, you know, I want to start my company one day and, and I would love some input. And uh, Christophe was like, you know, okay, like you want help, but you don't want the job. <laughs> um, and, and his response was more like, okay, take the job and then I'll explain you how to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, so we spent a solid like two hours and a half on the phone where he convinced me that I should take the job that I didn't want. And I did. So we worked together for one year. Uh, we launched many fashion designer perfume in the U.S. and had a lot of fun. But I, I discovered someone that was, I don't know, somehow my counterpart, counterpart work-wise. Um, we are very different, but very complementary. He was giving me a lot of strengths. Um, like he, I like to describe him as sometimes running before thinking, and sometimes I tend to overthink too much. So the sum of the two together sort of worked. And we worked together for two years before, no, actually a little over a year, uh, before he told me that he was leaving the company. And I remember being so angry. I was like, I came for you. Like, <laughs> and now you tell me that you're leaving. Um, so then I was really mad. I told him I would quit. And he got very um, honored that I would quit before <laughs> because he was quitting. Um, but then over like a nice dinner together, I shared with him 
my dream, which was to create a Maison de Parfum that would celebrate citruses um, or do Cologne in a very modern way and, you know, with lasting power. And he loved the idea. Uh, we realized we were wearing the same Cologne that night. It was um, the Cologne by Mugler. And, um, and he sort of made a deal with me. He was like, okay, I'll help you out, but you sort of have to marry me, which was sort of weird because we hadn't even kissed or had any romance together. But that was his way of sort of, I don't know, taking a chance at life. Wow. <laughs> and I feel like you've shared the story with me before. It was a little complicated when he told you that he loved you, right? Yeah, because we, at the time, we were, not only we were both married, we had very, very young children, the two of us. We were not living in the same country. I was in New York. He was in Paris. And it was like, I, I like you, but I, you know, this is just like not an option. And I like you because I'm impressed by you. I like you professionally, but like, I never looked at you romantically or never felt it could be that. But that moment was a sort of big trigger for the two of us, I think we allowed ourselves to listen to our heart and sort of feel that if we were feeling this way, maybe maybe there was something in our life that was missing. And um, so it was a cumbersome, complicated years to <laughs> make this become the new norm. Mm -hmm. uh, but Atelier Colon was born out of that. And mm -hmm. I, I like to describe that Atelier Colon was born out of a lot of chaos because when... When you make a change in your life that is so drastic, something that you hadn't planned, that you hadn't anticipated, that was not how you were picturing your life, you sort of don't, um, you don't make any compromises about anything. And I feel that Atelier Colon was born being the best version of ourselves, for our true selves. Mm -hmm. um, so we made no compromise on the sourcing of the raw materials, on the glass manufacturer we picked. Because why would we? Like, you know, we hadn't made a compromise in our love life and we didn't accept something that, you know, would have been the norm. So I think it, it really helped us. And, uh, and we kept that spirit of never making a compromise. Either we, either we agree on something and we're sure about it and we go forward, mm -hmm. or if one has to convince the other too much, probably it's not a good decision to make or a mm -hmm. good road to take. And what year was that when you first had the idea or he, you had that phone call? And Oh, the phone call with Christophe was 2006. 2006, okay. Ah, uh, so at the time, like, you know, I had, uh, my first one was like two and a half years old, three years old. My newborn was just born. Like, you know, I was not in a place of like thinking that, you know, that phone call would like change my life. Yeah. And yeah, it was a couple of years between the meeting the interview, and mm -hmm. then the declaration, and then making it official, um, mm -hmm. and, and becoming a couple. Like, we became an official couple in 2009, mm -hmm. uh, although we had met in 2006, so it's, it's right. a little bit of yeah. a long time. So, no, 10 years in. 10 That's years, so, so um, we're getting married again. We already got married five years ago, but we've decided to remarry. Oh, cool. So, the thing was, when we got married the first time with our first husband and wife, we said yes forever and believing yes forever. And then you realize that when you say forever, you don't really know. And maybe that forever is not forever. And then it makes you really sad and you feel disappointed by yourself. You feel you're disappointing others and, and you're not doing what you said you were going to do. So then we said, we're never getting married again. Like, you know, we, this is it. Like, you know, we've done it once and this is not something that's for us. But then our kids kept asking us. Like, we had a little baby. After creating Atelier Colonne, we had a child together. And, uh, and the kids kept, 
asking us to be a normal family. Like, how come you're not married? You know, <laughs> like we want our parents to be married. And um, so we eventually said yes. And um, we said yes, not to the future, but more to the past. It's like, you know, our wedding was marking our five year anniversary. And it was like, okay, in five years, we've accomplished so much. We've created a brand, we've had a baby, we have a new blended family, we're raising those children between two countries and we're commuting and, and sort of making it work. And we wanted to celebrate where we were at that time with people that we loved. And that was a lot of fun, no pressure, no forever. And, um, and we're about to celebrate five years again. And we thought, what better way to do this than to get married again? So, Amazing. <laughs> so we're doing it again. And will that be in France? or This time it will be in Italy. Okay. It will be in Positano, mm. which is the place where we also took our honeymoon before the wedding. What scent will you wear on your wedding day? So it's funny. I was asking that question to myself this morning. <laughs> and I don't know yet. But I think the first time I wore Bois Blanc, uh, Bois Blanc is a scent that I originally created for myself. Like I want to feel like it would be the scent of my skin if I didn't have perfume. Um, so I don't think I'll do the same one this time. And I'm thinking I'm going to go towards Vetiver Fatal, which um, is a scent I love on Christophe. Uh, vetiver happens to be my favorite raw material. We harvest it in IET and it's like um, there is something very raw, um, dark, earthy, rooty and grounded about it. Mm. And I think that's how I feel about this. Like marriage so fantastic so I think that's the one I wear <laughs> so when you guys started Atelier Cologne it was really about your shared passion for perfume and cologne can you explain what a cologne is versus an eau de toilette versus an eau de parfum and a parfum I feel like when you grow up in France this is just second nature you just <laughs> yeah. get it so the true meaning of a cologne means a perfume that is built with citruses. So citruses, we all know citruses like lemon and orange, but it can be element of the orange tree, like the orange blossom. You can also use like the, the leaves or the, the branches. But citrus is as fresh as they are. They're very volatile. So you get a perfume that's very like invigorating up front, but it fades very quickly. So that's a typical cologne. And to make it a little bit more complicated, from a concentration standpoint, a typical eau de cologne has very little essential oil. So usually about 5% of essential oil and the rest being alcohol to really convey that to the skin because you cannot really put like pure essential oil on your skin. It would be like too intense and like almost to the point of burning your skin. So that's an eau de cologne. Then eau de toilette is a construction that has citruses, but not just citruses. It can have woods, it can have flowers. It's usually built like a pyramid. So what comes up front is what very fresh and then what tends to sit on your skin are raw material that are like more intense richer like woods or like vanilla or amber so things like imagine things that are like more greasy and sort of sticking more to the skin another toilette would be from a concentration standpoint anywhere between five and ten percent of essential oil the rest alcohol or the parfum would be like 10 to 15 percent of essential oil and a pure perfume would be over 15 percent we happen to formulate all our perfume at more than 15%, so we go up to 23%. So the quantity of essential oil is uh, extremely high, like a perfume. But our particularity is that we use an overdose of citruses in everything we do. So when I was describing the shape of the pyramid for a perfume, think of our creation more like an hourglass. Mm -hmm. The top layer is like, the, you know, like a large uh, top, Lots of citruses, so they're going to be fresh up front, but they will fade quickly. 
Then you enter like the heart of the perfume, but then there is a strong base to really support it and anchor it on the skin. And that's sort of what defines us. Wow, so that's really different. It's very, very unique different. compared mm-hmm. to everything else that's out there. I think so. Yeah. I think so. We like to zero in on the bestseller on our uh-huh. show, and I understand that it's the Orange Sanguine. Is that right? Can you tell us about it? What do people love about it so much? Uh, orange Sanguine, it's a funny one because it's one of the first five that we created. And when we were working on the brand, it was a scent that was a literal citrus. You know, if you say Cologne is a perfume built around citruses, I felt we had to have one that was an obvious citrus. And everybody knows oranges. Like you eat them, you drink them in an orange juice. Like it's a, it's a very familiar scent. It can take you to summer. It can take you to holiday and like Christmassy time. Um, so I wanted to do like an obvious citrus. And I remember Christophe, every time he would sell, like smell the, the trials, he'd be like, that's great, but nobody wants to smell like that. You know, it's a great scent for a home. It's a room spray. It could be a great candle, but like, it's too simple. It's too easy. And then he would go on and smell the other ones. And every time I, would try, I was trying, like I was convinced of that blood orange. And one day I tricked him. I was like, Christophe, you know, every time your words say all the good reason why we shouldn't launch it. But every time you smell this, you first close your eyes, you smile, and then you give me all the good reason not to launch. But, you know, if we can give a smile to everyone that smells this, at least people who like her brand, like they'll be enticed to just like feel good about it and like maybe want to try more. And and that's how we decided to launch this product. Um, to me, it's a happy scent. Like it's a, it's very much like very much like sunshine in a bottle or like a vacation in like Cassis or Italy or like very sunny and, and summery. And it just takes you to a happy place. So to this day, it's still one of our bestseller. We have more bestsellers now, yeah. but uh, but I'm glad that this one is um, is iconic, and we won a Fifi for it. Uh, the mm-hmm. Fifi would be the equivalent of an Oscar in the mm-hmm. movie industry. Uh, we won our first Fifi for for this creation. So perfume is very personal, and many of us spend years trying to find that one that represents us that you can wear every single day. Um, what advice do you have, or that? do you give women to help them find that signature scent? So first, um, my first comment would be like, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Like you don't have just one outfit or one way to do your makeup or one way to do your hair. I think perfume should just be fun and playful and sort of help you with your mood or with what you're going through. So personally, I know that if I don't think like my signature perfume would be like a jeans and like white t-shirts and like tennis shoes and no makeup and a ponytail. There is a scent that I love for that moment. For me, it's Bois Blanc. It's like very sheer, very transparent. We talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I go to, let's say, a business meeting where I'm challenging to do something that is a little bit out of my comfort zone, like being on microphone now (laughs) maybe I want to wear something to give me a little bit more confidence give me a little bit more strength so I would say I have a work perfume but like more like a something that yeah gives me sort of courage and strength that I may not be able to find on my own and then let's say I go on a date with my husband um I don't want to wear what I'm wearing during the day like you know I want to the same way I'll probably change my clothes and and to make up on my eyes or I want to wear something that's going to put me in a different mode or frame of mind. Yeah. And then, you know, if you have a few and you gravitate toward a few, then 
you will easily find the one that comforts you when you need it most or, or you know, makes you feel like it's a bright and sunny day, even mm -hmm. if it's crappy outside. But I feel you, you learn by trying, you learn by wearing the same mm -hmm. way you would like define what is your style, you know, yeah. what is your style for dressing? I think perfume is very similar. You have mm -hmm. to experiment before mm -hmm. you fall in love. Like a fragrance wardrobe. Yeah. A little bit, mm -hmm. a little bit without making it like too complicated or too, you know, you don't need to own a tone, but like just perfume has this amazing ability to speak to your emotion, to speak to your memory. And I feel when you try something in a store or you try something on your skin, like if it speaks to you, then it's mm -hmm. great. Doesn't mean it has to speak to you in every occasion. So mm -hmm. I would just recommend, you know, women, men to, to have fun and try and see what they're naturally drawn to. I have a question for you as a fragrance <laughs> expert. I've run into this so many times where I have a loved one uh -huh. and they have a scent they love, but I don't like it. How do you politely tell someone okay. they should maybe try something different? I have this with my husband. <laughs> so there is a scent we have created that I love, but I love it in small dose. When Christophe wears it, it tends to bathe in it. And he decided one day that it was his perfume for the car. So he keeps it in the glove compartment and he gets into the car and like sprays it all around. It's too much. So I've tried nicely to tell him it was too much. And then I told him nicely that this is the one he wears when he travels without me. And it doesn't mean that I don't love the perfume. It just means that I don't love it on him that much. <laughs> so I feel, yeah, if it's a loved one, you have to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, it can be... It can be offensive to yeah. be around someone mm -hmm. that smells something that makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The same way, you know, he knows that there is scent that I like on him. And I don't know, I, you know, the same with her clothes I like on him. Mm -hmm. and, and I think he enjoys the fact that I tell him. So I'll be very direct. Okay. <laughs> and is there an iconic scent that you don't care for at all? What would that be? I'll probably take the example of uh, Angel. It's uh, it, The perfume was created by a woman I adore uh, called Vera Strubi. She's like a legend to me. And she's a very bold woman with a vision. We work with um, Thierry Mugler to create this first product. And this product, you know, you can say you love it. You can say you hate it. I wore it. I was obsessed by it. I couldn't stop sniffing myself because it was so intense. And today, if I smell this on someone, it's almost like, oh my God, it's too much. You know, it's too much. It's taking too much space. But at the same time, I love what it creates. That's sort of like love or hate, you know, addiction, uh, boldness. And I think perfume can be that too. You know, we were talking about like sheer perfume and something that's more like your jeans, white t-shirt, no makeup type of look. But like makeup can also be your smoky eyes or your bright red lip. And it can be sort of a facet of yourself that you want to enhance. So, um, mm -hmm. so I would say even the most polarizing scent can be just right at the right moment. Yeah. So, so I love Angel. It's good to In a weird risk. way. <laughs> and do you have a tip for listeners about the best way to apply um, fragrance and what what should they maybe not do? So I try to say a few things. First, before even committing to a scent, um, smelling it on paper and smelling it on the skin is very different. So I would make sure to have worn something on the skin long enough before committing to purchasing and like having it part of your world. Then another thing that I like to recommend is when you spray, to have like a distance, I don't know how much would be, like 30 centimeters, 20, 30 centimeters, you don't want to have the alcohol dripping, so you don't want to go too close. You don't want to be too far either to have it all around. And don't rub 
your wrist. Like um, I compare rubbing the wrist like uh, reading the end of a book. You know, like you, you skip to the end because you want to know how it ends. Like to me, seeing how a perfume evolves on the skin is just part of the process. So you put it on and what comes up first is, again, what's going to be very volatile and fresh. And then it transitions into something else. And then what sits on your skin becomes yours. So don't warm it up. Don't. Mm-hmm. And then put it in places that are comfortable for you. Like I know for me, um, inside of the wrist, it's a nice place because it moves with you. I tend not to do under my ears because I find it to be a little too close to my nose. But I like the, the tip of my hair, like in the back. Mm-hmm. So my hair sort of like, you know, they move during the day. So the scent comes back. And if I wear something that's um, a little too powerful from my tasting, but a, a scent I really love, Angel, for instance, mm-hmm. I would go behind my knees. Like you put just a drop behind your knees. So the scent is there with you. It's also a pulse point. So it will warm up, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the day. The scent will come out, but not interfere too much with your face. How can you make your fragrance last longer? I think that that is something that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. If they love something, and like you said, with citrus, they can kind of um, di- yeah, disappear quickly. Not so always, but sometimes. How do I you make it last? I would say there are two, to me, there are like sort of two basic rules. The first one is your skin has to be well hydrated. So if your skin is really dry, the scent is not going to convey as long as it does on a well moisturized skin. So one of the things I do, I find it very easy because I don't like using a lot of cream and then you cannot really get dressed. Um, I love almond oil. So if you use almond oil, like before taking your shower, you just put it on your body and then you take your shower and you wash and then you get out. You have that sort of like healthy glow and you know it feels like it nurtures your skin in a great way and then it will help with with the longevity Um, so you want to use something that's like not scented you know that doesn't take over Um, the other advice i would give is to change your perfume because you get used to it you know it's like if you eat the same meal every day at some point it's sort of tasteless you don't notice the the taste anymore it's the same with perfume when you're used to something people around you can tell you oh you smell so good but Mm -hmm. you're like i don't smell it it's just because it became so familiar that you sort of forget that it's there. So that's why it's sort of fun to um, to play with it and change. That's great. And our final question, which we ask all of our founders, is what advice would you go back and give yourself 10 years ago when you were starting this brand? Uh, to follow your guts. Um, I, feel, I feel when you have something in you that's sort of like that you're passionate about, that you believe, and when you do it with love and passion... You cannot do it wrong. Like, yes, you can make mistakes and you can learn from them, but at least whatever you've done, you've done it like believing in it fully. Yeah, I guess I could have remind myself that more. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I'll try to continue to remind myself that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry bomb.